Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, rash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese podcast. Bring it. Heidi <laughs> ho, boys and girls. Welcome to the Chad and Cheese show. I'm Joel Cheeseman. And I am Chad Sowash. This week, Microsoft is making Enemy of the State in 1984 a reality. Buckets of money are going into recruitment AI, and revenues are down at CareerBuilder. Can you say acquisition discount? That's not good. Stick around. Recruitment is an interesting space. We all say we're looking for a cool, new, fresh source of talent. Meanwhile, we keep going back to the same old sites and sources again and again. So here's something you may not have tried. Beyond's Flex Plan. Beyond.com is a powerhouse with over 56 million job seekers and huge site traffic. They've helped thousands of companies connect with talent through job advertising, resume search, email marketing, text recruiting, and more. Beyond's Flex Plan gives you targeted exposure for all your jobs for one low, flat rate. Here's how it works. You tell Beyond how many jobs you have, and Beyond gives you one simple price to market all of your jobs in its diverse network. Beyond pulls the jobs right from your career site and uses an algorithm to target the right talent. No messy cost per click and monthly budgets and such. Just set it and forget it. And here's a Chad and Cheese podcast special. Try Beyond's Flex Plan Trial Package. It's a three-month full-service trial at 80% off of their Flex Plan rate. 80% off. Just go to beyond.com slash cheddar to learn more. That's beyond.com slash C-H-E-D-D-A-R. Why do we do that, Joel? Why do we go back to the same old job boards over and over? Isn't that the sheer definition of insanity? I mean, seriously. I just realized that a lot of our audience might not know what Enemy of the State in 1984 is because we, <laughs> we skew so young, <laughs> I'm sure. <clears throat> Doubtful. If you haven't seen Enemy of the State, uh, you you definitely – Will Smith, first and foremost. got to see anything that Will Smith does other than Wild Wild West. Well, Hugh Jackman. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Hoosiers. Both in this oh, amazing – connection. Shut it, man. Um, amazing show. Watch it this weekend. Watch it with mom. Great for Mother's Day. You're going to enjoy it. So that'll lead into uh, what we just found out with, uh, Microsoft, with Microsoft. Microsoft scaring the hell out of us. Well, dude, this, this is scary week. shit. No, this is scary shit. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> this is really scary. You took us to expletive real quick. Yes. Scaring the <laughs> shit out of us this week. Tell us why. Okay, so they've got this new crazy technology where it's got facial rec- uh, recognition and it has object recognition as well. So again, if you've seen Enemy of the State, where pretty much, I mean, it is very 1984-ish, uh, you've got to take a look at um, how they, from a surveillance standpoint, uh, are, are actually l- being able to recognize people and objects uh, all the way through the quote unquote just the workplace. Um, now that's scary enough just in the workplace. I mean, seriously, right? I always feel like somebody's watching me. 
Yes. So the Microsoft Build Conference was this in Seattle this week. They demoed this technology essentially for the workplace. They demoed a construction site scene <laughs> where <clears throat> the magic eye in the sky knows who you are by facial recognition and probably some body recognition. Mm -hmm. uh, they know device recognition, like you just said. So the example they gave in the show was, hey, there's a jackhammer that is in a dangerous position. So the work or the foreman or whoever gets pinged on their mobile device or watch or whatever that says, hey, there's a jackhammer that's endangering everybody. Uh, they took that to the next level to say uh, they had somebody go on the site, pick up the jackhammer, start dancing with it, and then alerting the foreman that someone is acting badly and to discipline that employee. Um, the construction site kind of makes some sense from a safety perspective. When you start putting this thing into an office space, you know, it becomes really scary <clears throat> to think that your boss mm -hmm. is watching you 24 seven, even though they might not even be there. And, you know, if you want to go sneak out and have lunch with your buddy, if you want to go have a smoke, if you want to, you know, have the two martini lunch and come back a little late, you know, you are gravely mistaken in this new world, a new world order that Microsoft is uh, is drawing for us. Well, and I love how they framed it because it was all framed within this is a safety scenario, right? It's like, OK, seriously, I mean, this could this could be much more than safety. So you couple this with what we talked about last week with Slack and how they're, quote unquote, monitoring uh, morale. Yeah. And I mean, it, again, you're talking about many different dimensions of how <laughs> your privacy is just going out the window, guys. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it, it goes beyond work. Like I, I was thinking about this. So Microsoft has Cortana, which is their Alexa or Siri. Um, and Sox compared. But and yeah. Another demo in the, in, the, in the conference was, you know, this woman wakes up. She's eating breakfast. She's getting, you know, the news report. Um, and then she gets an alert saying that traffic is bad and that she has to leave. Um, and then she gets an alert that she's going to be late for a meeting and then she gets sort of uh, she gets put into the meeting from the car, mm -hmm. and all this is done for her. Um, that sounds all really cool and convenient, but it also means that your work is potentially listening to all of your words and conversations, as well as your transportation habits if it's in your car and at your home. Yeah, well, I mean, so right yeah, privacy's out. Google's do Google's doing that stuff right now. So I know you don't have the upgraded Android. It's unfortunate, but uh, I mean, it tells me when I should leave for an appointment or wherever I'm going, and if I'm going to be late, and if there's traffic, and and it will reroute me and all that other fun stuff. So I mean, it does that already, but <laughs> it doesn't start up. It doesn't well, start. It's, up it's indexing chat. your conversation. It's indexing your conversations. I mean, Google that thing is listening all the time. And it's indexing what you say. Well, so it's, it's you can create good. algorithms around, yeah, yeah. you know, person's mood, what they buy, what they eat. You know, like the days of like you can't interview if you if your employer is there listening all the time. You can't complain about your job. You can't you know call people and complain. Yeah. And how does this? How does LinkedIn get it get looped into this? I mean, who knows how that's going to work out? Because LinkedIn already knows a ton of stuff about you Profile. from your messages that you send, mm -hmm. from jobs you've applied to, and yada yada. Does that come into this whole monitoring process? So it's all very very scary. Profiling and Microsoft is already doing 
quote unquote machine learning, whether that's AI or not. So being able to wrap all that data, which again is, is I believe the main reason why they spent $26 billion on LinkedIn in the first place uh, is to be able to pull that data down so that they can start that profiling. It's scary, dude. It's October in uh, May. Scary shit. (laughs) So, so we'll segue into the gig economy. Uh, There was an article this week and, and, you know, I think, you know, I have a question of how many, how many people who are entering the workforce or currently workforce that are being monitored like this, that are, that just feel like, uh, big brothers watching and everything is monitored and background check this and background check that. How many people are just going to say, screw it. And I'm going to be a, a gig economy, uh, embracer. Yeah. I, well, we're seeing more and more of that. And I think, you know, companies also are looking for more and more of that just from an overhead standpoint. I mean, the, the big shite, shiny, bright buildings cost a hell of a lot of money. The big difference is, I mean, I, I don't see, depending on the type of, of position, I don't see, uh, a lot of entry level positions that are going to be a quote unquote gig type of scenario. Um, but positions like yours and mine, where, you know, we are seen to have, you know, some, some specialized skills. We can talk about stuff, uh, and, and deep expertise and, and demand areas. Um, that's different. So, you know, being able to, to be sought after is the key here. Um, if, you know, from my standpoint, I've, I've talked to employers about full time and said, Hey, look, why don't you just pull me on, um, for, from a project standpoint, whether it's six months, nine months, a year, but from a project standpoint, um, it makes more sense for me and it'll make more sense for you. Uh, I, I think it's, it's something that's incredibly viable, not just for companies, but obviously for individuals like you and me who, I mean, we're looking for not really, well, maybe it is work-life balance, but we're looking for a different way to do our jobs more effectively. I can tell you that um, there's tremendous appeal, both from a worker standpoint and an employer standpoint or company standpoint to basically say, Hey, I need this. I need this expertise. I'm going to take it off the shelf. I'm going to use it. And when I'm done, I'm going to put it back on the shelf. Right. And, you know, I don't have to pay it healthcare. I don't have to do, you know, I don't have to retirement. I don't have to do anything like that. When I need it, I get it. And I typically get it a lot cheaper than if I hired it. And from workers' perspective, there's flexibility there. To me, to me, there's great value in, in diversity of projects and things to do, right? So one company needs SEO, another company needs sort of general marketing or content marketing. There's mm-hmm. my own stuff I have working, uh, going on. Um, the gig economy to me is, is, is tremendously valuable. Um, I would find it hard to go back to a full-time job at this point. Yeah, no question. And from a company standpoint, they will be smart to take a look at their day-to-day operations and say, Hey, how can we kind of carve some of these up into actual projects and then get the, and again, you're going to be paying less and you're going to alleviate some of your other workers and you won't have to pull, pull another person on for an FTE. Um, it just, it makes more sense overall. Yeah. I think, um, you know, a lot of the things I do, uh, Upwork, for example, is incredibly valuable, um, to be able to, you know, have talent all over the globe at a variety of prices, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, levels of experience is incredibly valuable. Now, I think, you know, if you look at who loses or, or the negatives around the gig economy, 
you know, one is if if people and companies can hire, you know, outsource tech talent or outsource design or anything like that right. for 10, 10%, you know, 10% of what you would spend on an American uh, worker, eventually that's going to have to balance out. Um, and I, I, I don't see a lot of information. You know, everything I read is like, we can't hire enough techies and developers right, and we're, right. but <clears throat> I mean, I find it hard to believe that, that there's not going to be some balancing out of, of value in an Indian developer versus an American. If there's a 90% discount on using one over the other. Yeah. Well, I think we've seen some companies who have gone to the outsourcing and then come back uh, to the States just from the standpoint of if you, if you want to be able to do do um, an outsourcing type of scenario, you have to have more, so more mass. And then the turnover is much greater because you have more that you're managing. I mean, it, just from, from an overall standpoint, it's not really worth it. Um, not to mention from a product standpoint, in many cases, it's not really worth it because you can get one individual who does a bang-up job from a project standpoint, and it might take 10 on the other side of, of the pond. Um, it's not always the case. But if it is the case and you've got 10 people who are working on one thing, I mean, just think of all the things that could actually go wrong versus one individual who is who's banging away on it. So, I mean, it's it, it, I've seen it happen and it'll continue to happen. Um, but it's also going to be the conversation that we have later when we once again talk about AI. I mean, if it's something that's routine, it's something that's fairly simple, it's 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 process focused, then that's something that you can outsource, right? So yeah, I mean, it really depends on, on what the type of gig is. So yeah, companies, it's definitely give and take. I, I think a couple negatives as well that are worth noting is one, healthcare, mm-hmm. um, and, and two, getting paid. <laughs> I mean, like, you and I are both lucky with healthcare, um, other people aren't so lucky. And I know a lot of people who stay in the workforce for the simple fact that they have health care. So yeah. if the gig economy is ever going to flourish, there's got to be some health care solutions around that. Um, and yeah, getting paid. Dude, if you're a gigger, like if you work, you get paid every two weeks or whatever. It yeah. comes in as, as clockwork. It's mm-hmm. nice. You can count on it. When you're a freelance gig uh, person, you know, sometimes it comes yeah. in, sometimes it doesn't come in on time. You got to call. You got to do some strong arming. Uh-huh. It's not always fun, and not always for everybody. Uh, agree, totally agree. Yeah, there's ups and downs, man. Ups and downs. So speaking of getting paid and paying the bills, uh-huh. let's uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll talk about the millions going into the AI uh, function around recruitment. Beautiful. Want a productivity tool that you can provide to your recruiters that is easy to use and instantly eliminates the busy work of recruiting? making your recruiters two times faster on the web? Then you'll want to check out WebClipDrop, which is a browser-based productivity tool that your recruiters will love. Using WebClipDrop, your recruiters can instantly clip any profile or resume from any site online, and then they can drop that data into your applicant tracking system, CRM, or even send a clean profile URL to hiring managers for review, saving hours of copying and pasting data, or cleaning resumes for introduction. WebClip Drop can also find the email contact information for most professional contacts online, saving you thousands of dollars in fees for paper contact sites. There's much more this powerful and simple tool can do. Check it out now at webclipdrop.io and use the promo code HIREDAILY2017, no spaces, to get an exclusive offer only for podcast listeners. 
Chad, do you know Maya? I know Maya has a lot of cash. Maya got paid, <laughs> paid. recently. Paid. Uh, quick news item uh, for those who don't know, Maya is one of the new shiny artificial intelligence solutions in the recruitment space. Um, Ideal, Olivia, Gobi, or a few others uh, that are out there. But Maya, mm-hmm. Maya looks like they're taking a lead role. Uh, they got $11 million or so dollars uh, this past week that they announced. Um, that's added to the $3 million or so that they've already received, bringing them to $14 million. Um, you know, you and I had a, a conversation briefly about AI. I, I think if we if we surveyed 100 HR people and recruiters what AI was, we'd probably get 100 different answers. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure uh, if, if, if anyone actually knows, and I've read some interviews of people who have different answers, but I, I think that when we say I in recruitment, we aren't quite there yet. I think some of these solutions are taking us in that direction, but Maya, Maya is basically taking, and others are, what are questions that a, a recruiter or what a, a candidate would have um, basically saying, okay, when we get that question, this is the answer that we give it. Um, if we don't have the answer, it goes to a real person to give the right answer. Um, so it's more of a, a deep learning automated system as opposed to actually learning from the discussion, you know, how they give answers, uh, you know, emotional tests and, and um, things of learning what someone is and actually having a conversation from the beginning to the end. It's just plugging in answers based on questions that are being asked. So when we say AI in recruitment, I don't think we're there yet. I don't think we're there at AI in most industries in the world. But Maya certainly seems to be one of the companies that's on the on the cutting edge of that. Well, I, I think there are layers of AI. We talked about this on the last pod, um, where chatbots are more AI that are focused on providing a, a better candidate experience. And, and we and we also shared that you know there was a survey that candidates said, hey, "Yeah, hell yeah, I want." anybody to talk to me. I don't care if it's a chat bot. I don't care who it is, but it's better than going into a black hole. So I think they're, they're on the right path with regard to the chat bot and being able to learn from questions that are asked that, let's say, for instance, Amaya or, or maybe some of the others just don't know. I mean, there's still a learning process that happens there. Um, but then there are the other pieces uh, beneath it, which Maya also has. Maya, Maya helps um, organization handle organizations handle um, large applicant uh, volumes, and and I was talking to Michael Tresha from uh, GE, he's a, a director of talent acquisition um, at GE, and I mean he said, L- "Listen, we can't, we we literally cannot handle from a human standpoint <laughs> the amount of resumes that we get every single day. It's impossible. So to be able to have AI like Maya or Ideal, or we've talked about Hiring Solved or, or Bryant. If we can have them there to be able to run through these applicants, first and foremost, not to mention our applicant tracking system. We've got a huge database in our applicant tracking system. When we post a rec, instead of sending recruiters into the applicant tracking system, we should send AI into the applicant tracking system to look for individuals who, I mean, they qualify for the position. They meet the prereqs and so on and so forth. So it's not just the applicant, the, the applicants who are coming in. It's also the individuals who are, are in the database and then layer over top of it that chat bot 
so that you've got the, you know, whether it's, it's, um, initiating an email to bring somebody in to have a conversation, whatever it might be. I think it's it's really important to understand that there are different levels of AI. It is not sentient, no. <laughs> but, word chat, big but, word, nice. But I think you used it. That's the only reason I, I used yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but but I mean, it's getting there, and I think well, you, you clearly have your you have cost effect. You have oh, there's yeah. money, right? You're saving money. Um, there's efficiencies. You mentioned sourcing and recruiting efficiencies. Those are pretty clear. I also think it's it's worth noting that there's a real problem that chatbots or whatever you want to call it solve. Yeah. And that is the mobile apply problem. Mm. Um, anyone who has done a mobile repl- uh, apply to a job or anyone who has tried to integrate one knows that it is, it is typically excruciatingly painful. Yes. Um, going through pages and pages of application on a phone is very difficult. Um, we've tried to solve it with, you know, LinkedIn connect, or, you know, connect with other, you know, services, but it's still pretty clunky. And if you can create an application process by which someone feels they are text messaging or messaging with another person, and from that you're, collect- you're collecting data to create an applicant, mm-hmm. you know, to me that solves a potential problem of making mobile apply human, making it, you know, fun or at least tolerable. So here's here's the big piece. So let's take a look at, at HiringSoft. I know HiringSoft has like hundreds of millions of profiles already in their database. So let's say, for instance, you apply for a job. Your profile's already in their database. They already have some information about you, and they match certain pieces of information. Then you provide them more information through a conversation. I mean, that in itself, I mean, that drives... Um, really artificial intelligence and, and not just the, the chatbot interaction, but also the ability to, um, match to new jobs. Um, so that's, that, that's pretty cool. It's scary as hell, but it's, it's still pretty cool. I think we both agree that there's going to be a lot of money going to this space over the next two, three, five years. And I would probably predict more money in this than anything else in recruitment. If you're a data scientist, this is there. There's no question. This is the place to be. It's kind of like Bryant. They've got a ton of Facebook data scientists over there because yeah, they yeah. saw a need. So that's the bell. Uh, let's go to the next topic. That's and good. although we we agree on AI uh, on many things, I think we we disagree on VR, which is is oh, fun. Uh, so so Google <laughs> bought a company this week. Uh, called uh, Owl something. Alchemy. Uh, it's it's Alchemy. Alchemy. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Alchemy. But it's spelled Owl. That's... O-W-L. Alchemy. <laughs> they're, up, yeah. they're up all night. Uh, yeah, virtual reality. Um, so that's not the newsworthy part. The newsworthy part is this company created an app uh, that essentially creates a game type situation of people in the workplace yes. and giving you multiple workplaces to have fun pour coffee, you know, uh, punch your buddy with the stapler, et cetera. Um, now we talk a lot about AI automation on this show. You know, we haven't really touched on, uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, Chad, you're super down on it. Uh, And I don't know why, but please tell us. It's just not there, man. It's so second life. And anybody who remembers second life, I know we didn't have the broadband, 
Um, but poor TMP. I remember when <laughs> Second Life came out and TMP jumped all over it. TMP advertising. Um, and again, it, trying trying to be innovators, I appreciate that. But there was just not enough bandwidth. And they were trying to have a virtual reality job fair. And I mean, that thing just, I mean, it, it, just, it never worked. It flopped. I know the bandwidth is, is, is maybe there now. We still don't have Korean bandwidth, by the way. Um, but, but, dude, it is still hokey as shit. I mean, it looks like, it just, it looks like cartoon stuff, man. All right. So, all right. So some people who might not even remember what Second Life was. Whatever. Uh, essentially, Second Life was a program you downloaded on, on your computer back in 2004, and you created a, a second identity of yourself. Avatar. Doesn't matter what sex, what – you could be whatever you wanted, right? Animal. And you would have these virtual islands that you could fly to or whatever and and talk, basically chat with other people – um, so yeah, companies would create these little job fairs on these islands and people would show up and I guess there'd be recruiters there and they would ask questions. Um, well, second life just crashed and burned by itself. I don't even know if it's still around. I guess it, it might still be, but, but I think there's some real credibility potential around virtual reality. Um, clearly if Google bought a virtual reality company, and Facebook bought a virtual reality company. There's some fairly smart people that think there's something there. Um, I think it's totally feasible to imagine a day where a person could put on a virtual headset and walk into a company that they are that they're interviewing with or wanting to apply to. You know, saying hi to the receptionist, going into the different floors of the company, saying hi to the CEO talking to your potential boss, you're getting a message from them, checking out the break room, checking out the ping pong tables. Like to me, I could, I could definitely see that having real value in employment. Do you disagree? Yes. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, all, you're you wrong. Do, all you have to do is, is hook up higher view and, and there you go. Right. You can, you can have a video, you can create a video of uh, you know a day in the, the 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 life of a person who you know does this job that can meet the CEO. I mean, this is all again. It's all cartoony bullshit at this point. I, I I agree that from a video game standpoint, it is awesome. And I think from a, from video games, it's it's that's where a lot of the video games are actually going, like with the Oculus and whatnot. But actual reality, I think we've got at least a decade before that shit. It, it, it looks. Anybody wants to interact with it at all. You forgot porn application, but that's probably a different podcast. Yeah, that's good. Well, and that's pretty much what Second Life turned into, which, which is why it died. All right, man. Uh, let's take a quick break and talk about Career Builder. America's job exchange is a market leader in diversity recruitment and an OFCCP compliance solution provider. We serve over a thousand customers, consisting of federal contractors and subcontractors, to SMBs and Fortune 500 organizations. America's Job Exchange specializes in job distribution to over 6,500 state one-stop career centers and community-based organizations, ensures the creation and maintenance of state credentials, 
obtains veteran preference on job postings, robust outreach management, and supports effective, positive recruitment efforts designed to recruit individuals with disabilities, veterans, women, and minorities. For more information, call us at 866-926-6284 or visit us at www.americasjobexchange.com. A-J-E. America's Job Exchange. Boom. <laughs> Chad, I don't know about you, but I'm a little tired of hearing career builders about to be acquired. <laughs> and it, and it's, usually, it's usually tied with a number of weeks. Yeah. And it's usually two weeks. And this is going back at least 10 weeks. So for at least 10 weeks, I've been hearing in two weeks, Career Builder will be sold in that time period. Yeah. And it still hasn't happened. Yeah. Well, like, it, it, well imagine if you actually work there. I mean, seriously. I mean, it's like the yo-yo effect, right? So um, the, <laughs> the, 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 the news that just came down, what was it, a couple of days ago? It, I'm not sure that that's going to help things. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, earning report from Career Builder's Sugar Daddy showed that the revenue was down at Career Builder this quarter 1.4%. That's not growth. Now, most of the losses were in the job posting segment, apparently. Mm -hmm. uh, the, now, either people were more surprised at, even though we're at four point whatever employment, no, right. one are po no one's posting jobs on Career Builder. Or they'll say the real red flag is there are other bets on background screening, compliance, et cetera, aren't quite growing at a pace to sort of make up for what they're losing on the job posting side. So I think career builders kind of screwed on two angles here. Um, and I'm not sure that an acquirer at this point would be real excited uh, one way or the other, although 1.4% isn't like a huge downer. Nah. Um, it's definitely not growth, which I think an acquirer would love to see at this point. Yeah, no. Well, I think they would. But then again, I think from a negotiation standpoint, it, it, it doesn't hurt. And I, I think in the the article or the release or what have you, they're talking about Workterra, which is, I mean, they, they do a ton of, of HR management applications um, and being able to pull Career Builder into uh, as I mean, as a part of the the Workterra platform itself, I think I mean there there's there's a ton of of uh, value that's there. So being able to being able to make that connection and uh, get it for a little bit less than you know one point whatever billion dollars that might not hurt. And then the the other organization I can't remember the name of it, but it was a background check organization. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of in interesting because I mean Workterra has an applicant tracking system, and then the other organization is a, a, a background checking organization. But yet Career Builder has those as well. So I mean, I guess what's the what's the reason for buying into this? Again, we're looking at Career Builder being a very diverse organization, kind of end to end software provider, solution uh, recruitment, you know, outreach, those types of things. But uh, when you take a look at a, an HR management solution provider and then a background check solution provider, I mean, what's their, I mean, are they trying to absorb a competitor, do you think? I mean, it just, I, I'm not sure how it, it makes sense for me. So we've, we've in the past given kudos to Career Builder for diversifying yeah. and getting into technologies and things like that. So I, although revenue is down, that's, that's a bummer. Uh, you know, not all is lost there. I, I think no. You know who ends up buying them? Um, no one I've heard in the mix 
is any sort of makes sense to me. Um, I mean, it's, it's let's go private, but I've not heard much about like LinkedIn's going to buy them or, you know, some other big platform right? like Salesforce or like some of those might make sense actually. Um, so we'll have to see one, if they actually get sold because I've been hearing it for weeks now and it still hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also heard that the Reuters report from a few weeks ago is, is baloney um, that that buyer wasn't in the conversation or isn't in the conversation anymore. So huh. it's just speculation until it actually happens. Right. Um, but yeah, I think career builder would love to dump the, the job posting business. And I think it's, you know, from the dice a few weeks ago about them trying to unload all their crappy job boards mm-hmm. and to career builder, like job postings are an albatross on their, on their revenue generating neck. And that, it's bringing everything down that that might be growing. Um, Monster sold on pennies on the dollar. When you look at their valuation at one point, it was ten billion dollars. Right. Um, it's business is not good in the job board space, and we see evidence of that all over the place. Yeah, well, I, I I I find it again interesting that Monster and or Career Builder didn't go after kind of like a, an Indeed when Indeed first came out and really just changed the model altogether. Um, and provide that as, as an added value to prospectively going into pay-per-click or really just an entree into applicant tracking systems or, or other, or maybe CRM uh, or many of the other types of products that they offer. So, I, you know, it, it's, again, it's back to, it's back to looking at Netflix, right? Netflix, I mean, they, they, they were shipping, you know, DVDs uh, through the mail, and then they saw that they needed to change. They made the change themselves. Um, Career Builder, I mean, Monster didn't do it, and 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 they suffered, and they suffered. Um, I, I just can't see why Career Builder isn't making that kind of a change. Maybe it's just not their focus now, but I can't imagine that it isn't. There's, there's, they still are pulling in a ton of revenue. And the other one is that we've talked about a lot is just the the social impact i mean uh clearly the value around linkedin is the people not the postings yeah so even though you know indeed has a, a google like pay per click pay for performance model mm-hmm. you know the real value seems to be around a directory of people and being able to leverage that for all kinds of stuff um so anyway you know job posting will not go away. It's not going away, but the value of it, uh, continues to, to decrease. And, and these quarterly reports, uh, show that. Yeah, there's no question. I, I think, again, you take a look at a, a dice and when, if a, again, dice cuts away the other job boards and they start to diversify in the same sector of technical, obviously the technical space with, uh, I think it's, it's earth hacker or one of those, that uh, really starts to innovate beyond the job posting. That just makes sense, you know. But career builder is more general. Um, you know, are they going to really turn into? I believe what they aspire to be, which is an end-to-end um, enterprise, you know, kind of system. I, I don't know. We'll find out. But what it comes down to is when you're focusing heavy on that, you know, that that job by job kind of sale. What's you know what's gonna what's gonna fuel the the big push to an end to end an end to end system? I mean because job postings has has done it for many many years and resume database sales. You know if you look at the retail sector Armageddon that's currently going on right now, mm-hmm. you know a lot of it's driven in the fact that Amazon. Well, Amazon, but you know 
people don't search like they used to, right? They want recommendations. They want they want shows and products and whatever that I that you know I like based mm-hmm. on what I've watched before or whatever. So it seems like job search has to come to a place where it it's smart enough to say here are jobs that we think are good for you and have it actually be good recommendations. I mean, just because I was searched under the same category, mm-hmm. is it a good recommendation? And I think, you know, the person who get, I guess the next company, if I had to predict gets job search right, will be the one that, you know, serves up the right job on a silver platter to the person who's, who's not even looking or didn't know they were looking. Google jobs, cloud, API, machine learning, whatever the hell they're calling that thing. I the mean, Trojan those, those are, horse. Yeah, the Trojan horse. I mean, those are those yeah, are the maybe ones maybe I, Google I maybe Google figures it out. Maybe Google figures it out. We'll see. All right, man. Uh, let's get out of here. It's, Mother's uh, Day weekend. Mother's Day weekend. Yes. So everyone, call your mom, hug your mom. Uh, if you don't have a mom, uh, hug somebody else's mom. I don't watch, know. Watch Enemy of the State with your mom. She she'll she'll appreciate it. She'll enjoy it. <laughs> All right, man. Out later. This has been the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single show. And check out our sponsors because they make it all possible. For more, visit HireDaily.com. Oh, and you're welcome. You've got questions. We've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.